out at church. Um, we are doing a series called The Gift Exchange. And even if you are part of our online congregation, you can send your gifts in or bring them up here. And um, they have to be in by Monday, so we're asking everybody to bring them on Sundays because it gets all weird on connecting with people and when to bring them. You only have two more weeks, and so we need you to bring those either tomorrow or go home and get it and bring it and, I don't know, talk to a staff member. Oh, I guess theoretically you could bring it tonight to the men's night. Um, but then next Sunday will be the last Sunday. Every week we have a weekly winner who gets a movie theater rental um, of the whole theater for their family and friends. And then the finalists are all entered into a glamcation at Broken Bow. And so definitely worth the effort. Creativity is the key. Um, no one thought a bidet was coming. And so um, I don't know what you have at your house, but um, there's a tacky Christmas area. Wrap it and put your name in a sealed envelope inside. Um, we wanted to just have some fun as we closed out one of the worst years in our country's history. Um, and so we wanted to engage our crowd and be able to have just a little bit of fun through this gift exchange as we wrap up 2020. And we are also going to be taking a look, as we did last week, um, Jesus met this woman at the well and, and she had a pot that she was trying to fill up her water for the day. And Jesus said, I have living water so that you will never thirst again. An exchange was made of peace and purpose. And today we'll continue that theme with the one of the most famous passages that have ever been preached, that of the prodigal son coming home. All of us can relate to the story of the prodigal. It has all the classic um, things that we need for our emotions to be attached and for us to experience. We go from ruin to redemption and restoration all in a span of 37 minutes. And so it's going to be a great time. Um, but you have to understand the context. So contextually, um, where we're at in this story is Jesus is having a discussion with some Pharisees. And the Pharisees are these religious zealots. Um, we might learn a biblical word today. Does anybody know what the word haughty means? Does anybody know what that means? Like not haughty, guys, not totally different, okay? Haughty, okay? Um, it, it's like a person who is pride-filled, maybe a little self-righteous. And so here are these Pharisees and they constantly had this haughty mindset and they would want to engage Jesus in debate in the, in the desire to entrap him. And so here in this particular discussion, they were debating the merits of whether or not he, as a holy man, claiming to be a man of God, should have any interaction with those that are unholy, those that do not walk with God, those that do not follow God, those that their society called sinners, those that were far from God. Perhaps they had chosen bad things in life or they were associated with bad establishments or addictions or whatever it may be, but they were deemed to be sinners and in their minds, that which was holy couldn't come into contact which, with that which was unholy. And so here is Jesus challenging a perception and, and and yes, the Bible does have some, some interesting dichotomies where they seem to be in, 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 in opposition to one another. Like it says, don't be a fool because bad company corrupts good character. And so uh, it says that, you know, that what, what does light have fellowship with darkness? And it says, don't be unequally yoked with sinners. And so there is this tension in the texts of the Bible. And I think that, like, how do you know whether or not you should be friends with someone who is a sinner? And I would always submit to you, who has the influence? 
And I, I, think, that, I think that Jesus is always going to argue that if you're in a relationship that you're trying to reach them, but it turns out that they're reaching you and they're pulling you more towards the darkness than you are pulling them towards the light, that's a relationship that you need to put distance in uh, because you are dragging them down. And so that's how you, you make that decision. And so here is Jesus and he's going to tell three stories. All three of them have a common theme. Something was lost and it was going to be found. And in each of the three stories that Jesus tells, they are emblematic of the sinner or the lost person or the wayward person coming back to know God. And so they were lost and they were found. He tells the story of a lost sheep. It says there was 99 sheep that were over here. They were safe. And there was one that wandered away. What does the shepherd do? He risks everything to go get, to go find, to go rescue that one lost sheep. The heart of God so wrapped inside of that story. And then he tells the parable of the lost coin. There was this woman and she had a coin collection. That coin collection was very important in her culture that without one, the other ones did not have any value. And it says if she lost one, she sweeps the whole house. She looks day and night until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls for a party and they celebrate because they found this one lost coin. And then he crescendos and he shifts from inanimate objects to two animate objects, and that he has two sons. And we're gonna find that one was wayward and one stayed home. The one that stayed home is gonna be represented in the Pharisees in this story, where they don't feel like they have any sin in their lives. And then there's gonna be the father who's gonna show incredible compassion. And there's gonna be the prodigal who wanders away, and we're going to examine his return home. What's the point for you today? The point for you today is everyone in here likely has had a season where we've been a prodigal. To whatever degree, you might not have wandered out into hard sin, but maybe your heart wandered away from God and serving Him and loving Him supremely. And so you'll find yourself in this story. You might find yourself as the older brother who hasn't been celebrating what God celebrates. And I'm going to challenge you on that today. And hopefully you'll get the opportunity to be a father at some point, to be the person who welcomes a sinner home, who welcomes a person who's willing to turn it around. And you might find yourself as a Christian being in the position where you're willing to give someone a second chance. And so as we get into today's story, I hope you'll see this beautiful gift exchange. And I hope you'll ask yourself, are there any areas of your life in which you need to come home? Are there any areas of your life that you've wandered and now it's starting to cost you because there is a way to get out of rock bottom. If I had a title for this morning's message, it would be no matter what, you can always come back to God. No matter what, no matter what, you can always come. You say, Tim, but what if they really do? Like, no matter what, you can always come back to God. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what other people have called you and said about you, no matter what, you can come back to God and the church said, amen. Yes, yes. Okay, we're gonna try this again. If I tell you that any prodigal can come back to God and that God would love you anyway and you have had a prodigal season, when I preach that, you actually put your hands together and you say, yes, I'm glad that I have a God like that. Because if he wasn't a God like that, when you were a prodigal, where would you be? You'd have been discarded. You'd have been disowned. So we celebrate what God celebrates. God celebrates 
when prodigals come back home. So let's get into it. I got a long, long, long road to cover here. It says, Jesus continued. So this is the third parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said, Father, give me my share of my estate. Every parent in here that has a teenager, does this sound familiar? Father, give me, 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 give me. Give me. You know, like little kids even today, like, I'll do it for $10. You'll do it or I'll knock you down. No, I won't say that. <laughs> I would not say that. All right? Maybe. And so it says that they had two sons and he said, give me my inheritance. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son said, peace, I'm out. And he got together all he had, set off for a distant country. It's amazing when we are in sin, how far we want to get from God, right? Right? Like, you're like, I just want to get as far away as I can. I don't want to go to God's house. I don't want to be around God's people. I don't want to listen to God's music. I just, I just don't want to be reminded of a commitment, maybe, I once made. A lifestyle that I once lived. I want to get away from it. I want to be I'm safe and comfortable in the dark. And the further I get, the darker it is, the more comfortable I feel in my sin. So, off for a distant country. And there, what did he do? He squandered his wealth. Mm, in wild living. You have to say it like that. Raise your hand or say amen if you've ever had a season of wild living. Raise your hand. Yeah? Say it. Let's all say it on three. One, two, three. Wild living. Wild. Wild living. Man, some of the people you see around you that you look at right now in this room and you say like they are the picture of respectful and like, like they got it together and they have this dignity. If you only saw them, and they're wild living, I promise you. They were face down in a toilet. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know, but I know my people, okay? And so all I'm saying is everyone's gone through a season. Well, not everyone. Most people have gone through a season where they made mistakes. It says after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. And you know what's amazing? Whenever we start heading down these roads where we're in charge, you know, like I'm going to make these decisions, I think we always feel as though we know what's going to happen. We can predict. We like we have every step. And I've learned that there's always the unexpected in the journey, right? Anybody? Like, you know, your, your business would go along and then there was the unexpected. You know, there was <laughs> life was going on and then COVID, <laughs> pow, you know, uh, divorce, uh, whatever. These unexpected, like the, 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 the prodigal doesn't appear to have calculated what would happen if a famine, what would happen if the, the, the economy went, what would happen if the things that I've learned to trust in that are temporal and worldly and have propped me up, what if, what if those things were pulled out from under me? And all of a sudden there was a famine in the land and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. So he's gone from rich, wealthy, has everything, he's got the pony, everything, everything. And now he's out here feeding the pigs. And just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, it says he longed to fill his stomach with the slop, the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, wasn't it amazing that it seems like just a moment ago, he had all the friends that he could ever want when he was supplying the money for the, for the lifestyle, right? Did you notice that? Anybody like notice that? But the moment that he didn't have any money, he lost all the buddies 
that were partying with him. And it's kind of like a, a lesson that you might want to learn earlier in life that if people are only with you because of what you give them, they're not really with you. They're not going to be with you when it's hard. They're not going to be with you when it's difficult. They're trying to get something from you. And if you ever want to test it out, just start asking yourself, is this a recyclable or, or is this a reconciliation? Uh, what is the word I'm looking for when they, what? Reciprocal. I knew it. It was like a reciprocal relationship. Are they giving anything back to you? Or have you been in a friendship for 5, 10, 15 years where you're the only one that's giving? Are you in a marriage where you're the only one that's... At some juncture, if you're not in reciprocal relationships, there's only so much of you. I've learned this. You better have some people that are pouring into you. Because if you're pouring out, and no one's born in. At some juncture, we need each other. What does rock bottom look like? It says here that it didn't take long. It didn't take, he had all this money. And you know, when you're young and you have money, a lot of times the tendency is like, woohoo, let's go, spin it up, let's do it. It says it didn't take long. And all the wealth that he was given was wasted. Isn't that sad? Don't we, ever, don't we ever play that game where we say, like, well, if I had, anybody ever do that? Like, well, well, if I won the lottery, well, if I had, well, if I got the raise, well, if I got the contract, well, if I, well, well, it says that he had it, and then you see someone squander things, it's like, oh, man, that's tough. You know, I'll let you know a little secret when it comes to money and stuff and things. Without God in your life, listen. Without God in your life, it's only a matter of time before all that you have will have been wasted. What do I mean by that? Here, the prodigal, it only took him a few days, a few weeks maybe, and he lost it all. But eventually, as the Avengers movie line goes, the bill comes due. Eventually, we die. And what happens when we die? We take nothing from this world into the next. So all that you've gathered, all that you've worked for, all the wealth that you've created, it doesn't follow you into eternity. So which world are you working for? Because it's just a matter of time without God that all of the things that we amass are going to be wasted. Man, a sobering thought of what is our true priority. Rock bottom is filled with regret. Woo! Raise your hand if you've ever had regret. Just show of hands. Show, yeah, I think we've all had regret, right? I mean, you live long enough, you're going to do something, you're like, man. You ever said something, you're like, oh, I should have said, I didn't really, like, I didn't really mean it. The way that I, anybody, anybody ever had that conversation? Like, I didn't, I didn't really mean it. Well, I mean, like, like, you need to understand my heart. <laughs> yeah, that's not what you said, though. Ugh. So regret, regret, regret is a strange animal because it's invisible and it's like a thousand pound gorilla, a thousand pound invisible gorilla that somebody walked into this room with and the terrible position I find myself in as pastor is that I, I, can't, I can't take it off of you. I can't, I can't solve your regret problem. Your spouse can't solve your, your therapist can't fix your regret problem. There's no person on this earth that can 
take the gorilla of regret off your back. Here is this prodigal son, and he finds himself in this position of regret. He's sitting there looking at this, this slop, and he's thinking about eating it. And I think that when we get further away from God, the more palatable and the more possible it is for us to start wanting to consume things that God never intended for us. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been? Like, you would have, you would have said, I would never do that. I would never be there. I would never go. I would never hang out in that. And the further away you got, the more you're like, oh, you know what? I'll just try it. I'll just try it. And next thing you know, man, you are so far, so far out there. What does rock bottom look like? I thought we'd go through some modern day scenarios. What does rock bottom look like for the professional person? Imagine if you, if you went to work and as you sat at your cubicle or in your office or you're driving down the road to the next, imagine if you went to work every day and you sat there and many times during the day you started asking yourself, what am I doing? Why am I here? I mean, you were once passionate about this job when it was like a novel idea and then you started working and there's always people and there's always bills and there's always someone in the, in the world that's trying to take money from you in an unscrupulous way. See, I edited there. And so, so like after time, that utopia wears off and, and now all of a sudden, like the woman at the well last week, see, your passion is is external, it's not internal. And so you, you had to go and, and go to college and, and get all gassed up and get excited, but then that went away. And so then you have to try to go get it from somewhere else and you, you go try to read a self-help book or you, you watch Dr. Phil or you watch your TikToks or whatever it is that you do, but it constantly is a meter that goes up and it goes down and it goes up and it goes down. And you're constantly sitting there going, why am I doing this? And you don't wanna do it anymore, but you're afraid of change. And so there you are stuck at rock bottom without purpose. Wouldn't it be terrible to go to a job every day that didn't have any purpose? I thought about what would it look like at rock bottom in relationships. For my dating people, you just have to translate this into your relationship, but I'm going to speak to the married folk. You know, it doesn't take long for some. I've done so many weddings um, got two next week, Friday and Saturday. Excited about that. Um, it doesn't take long for some. Some it's, some it's been days that I get the 911 call, you know. I'm not, I'm like, hey, Tim, <laughs> I think we made a mistake. <laughs> well, you can't, well, <laughs> okay, you can't take it back. So anyway, um, so you, people start going through this thing where distance starts to occur in a relationship. And I, and I think that almost every person gets married because they say, I love this person. I want to spend the rest of my life with them. And then I think it's the unintentional decisions that we make that start to create distance. And the, the investment that we put in on the front end is slowly, there's a decay. And then that decay of affection, 
that decay of communication, that decay of dating, of romance, uh, add, a, add a child in there and now the baby is crying and, and like, you know, you're going to put this kid to bed after work and all the things and you got to get the meals and then you got to go to the practices and then you got to do online school and 20, oh Lord, have mercy. And like, before you know it, there's, there's like a distance where you wake up one day and like, I'm not sure I love this person. I'm just in a, I'm just in a partnership. It's been a long time. Intimacy is ground to a halt. Affection is rare. And you just don't want to be one of those divorced people, so you, you're there in the partnership with all this distance. What if every day people woke up in a relationship where they weren't in love? you imagine how hard that would be? I think that would be rock bottom. What about the addict? My last rock bottom scenario. And the thing is about addiction is I think addiction we often equate it to substance abuse. But I think addiction can be anything that is destructive to your life that you believe that you have control of when reality suggests that you don't and that it's something that you would want to stop about yourself, but you can't. Therefore, that thing has you, and you don't have it. That's addiction. You can be addicted to substances, but you can be addicted to negativity. You can be addicted to drama. You can be addicted to what other people think about you. You can be addicted to social media. Um, you, can be, you can be addicted to anything. And how do you know? How do you know that you're an addict? Because you want to stop. And you know your life would be better if you did stop. You, 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 you even tell yourself, like, how much better would my marriage be if I just was nice, right? Anybody? Like, you know? And, and here's the crazy thing. Like, when it comes to, like, what we focus on, like, if 10 good things happen in a day and one bad thing happens in a day, when you get home, what do you spend all your time talking about? Yeah. Why? We're crazy. Why, why, why not say like nine things were great today? Oh yeah, and by the way, this one bad. But if every night that you come home, both of you sit there and have a little fest about how the day went wrong and how blah, blah, blah. Like what are you conditioning? And then like you're sitting there with your kids and like all they're hearing is your negativity. Then what do they do? Like, oh, well, you know what happened to me? And I got quarantined, blah, blah, blah. I mean, at some juncture, you're feeding into this narrative where you become addicted to negative. What if every night, like at the Bourne house, I tell you, when we sit at the table, we say, what were your highlights today? What were your highlights today? And if my kid told me every negative, I was like, all right, now I want to hear three good things. I want to hear three good things. Because it's all about what you're focused on. Addicts, they want to stop. You don't want to keep being that person that's hypercritical to your spouse, but you keep on doing it. You don't want to be the person that's haphazard, but you keep doing it. You don't want to be the person who stuffs all of your emotions in and never shares anything, but you keep doing it. And one day, that thing that you thought you had control of, man, it's going to get you. There was the prodigal sitting there going, 
I don't know how I got here. He was addicted to doing what he wanted to do and not listening. It cost him everything. Every addict never dreamed it would end the way that it did. Maybe you would consider with me where you're at. If there's things that you've wanted to stop but you haven't, you have an addiction. If you have a thing that's definitely hurting your life and your life would be better if you didn't do it and you can't stop it, you're addicted. So if we find ourselves in these places of addiction, how do we get out? How do we get out? I'm never going to dig a hole that I'm not going to dig out of for you. In Luke chapter 15, verse 17, the next verse, when he came to his senses, oh Lord, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? Here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, this is his speech. Now you remember whenever your parents, whenever you like broke something, you, your brothers, your sisters, anybody remember this? Like y'all start collaborating on what the story is going to be. And there's always one dumb brother or sister that you start telling the story and like they start like wandering off and like, you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, and like, they're like, they're, they're messing up the lie that you've concocted. So here is this negative self-talk. He's already like in there in his brain and he's on his way back to the father's house. He's like, this is my speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. How do we recover from rock bottom? Number one, we must engage reason. Wake up. Wake up. Now, this is one of those things where you sometimes, if every parent in here, like, have you ever feel like you need to shake someone and tell them, wake up? Anybody like know what I'm talking about? We're just gonna try that exercise. I want you to shake someone next to you, appropriately socially distanced. I want you to shake them and say, wake up, wake up. Get passionate, wake up. Here is the prodigal son and he's considering eating this slop. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a pig pen, but there's the smell of the, 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 the stuff that exits the body and the pigs get in there with the mud and they like just wallow around in it, okay? That's, that's the only smell that's, that's around the pig pen. And then they just throw the food in there with it oftentimes and the pig, he doesn't mind if it's the slop, the stuff, the mud, the muck, the mire, he just gets in there and he'll just eat that rotten apple right out of it. Can you imagine getting to the place of lost, getting to the place of ruin, where you are sitting there considering this piece of trash wrapped in filth, and you're going, man, I wish I could have some of that. Wake up. Wake, what are you, what are you living for? What is the greatness of trying to grab the stuff that belongs to the world and define your life by that? You are literally trying to eat the slop that this world has. There's no purpose. There's no substance. There's no meaning. And all of us, whenever we see someone that's going down that road, it's so easy to see someone else, right? And it's so hard to see ourselves. But I imagine myself as, as the sun is walking away, all these people, I imagine it almost like there's... There's a way out, but we have to engage our brains. Like we have to reason. It's, it's like a person who jumps out of an airplane, right? And they have a parachute on. 
and they are falling to the earth, right? This is, this is what the prodigal's life looks like. They're falling to the earth, and they have a pair of AirPods on, right? And everyone else that is in their life is, is yelling at them, pull the cord, pull the cord. And you, you're watching it happen. Like, have you ever watched somebody start going down this road to the prodigal? Have you ever, it's like, it's like they're, slow, they're dating someone that you know, like, pull the cord, get out. And like, they're in this job and they're working with people that are slowly pushing them down a, a road. And you're like, pull the cord, get out. And so, and maybe they're even in a, in a bad church and you're like, pull the cord, get out. And so there they are, they're falling to the earth. And like all these voices in their head are saying, you should exit, you should, you should pull the chute, you should, you're gonna crash if you don't pull the chute. At some point, you have to engage reason. For a theology lesson, on one hand, you have your flesh. The Bible says that you're born with a sin nature. It's more powerful than you are. And on the other hand, when you believe in God, your spirit comes to life. And the only thing that is between you and your flesh is your mind. And if you're not willing to engage your brain and consider, consider where you're at. You have to decide at some juncture that you want to get up. Not only did he have to make this decision to engage his brain, but he had to decide he wanted to return. I mean, I can't help you with that decision. You gotta make that decision on your own. But he started thinking to himself, man, it was better at my father's house. Did y'all notice that? Like he's sitting there in the situation that he's in and he says, you know what? It was better at my father's house. And can I help you? Like, it is better in the Father's house. Could you, can you guys agree with me on that? Like, it's better here. And, and everybody that's watching online, we want to give that opportunity to everyone. But everyone that has watched online and walked back in here, you know what they say? It's better in the Father's house. It's better. And it's better than it is. It's different because we're around people and God created us to be in relationship with others. And I don't know how much longer that some can last in a virtual world when, hey, if we can go out, then we can go to, hey, 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 you know what? If we can go out, we can go to church. Can I, can I, hey, if we can go to the football game, we can go to church. Hey, you know, if we can go to Target, we, uh, okay, I'm just saying. Don't shoot the messenger. At some point, you got to decide it would be better to go back to God. You know, you've, you've done your thing. Okay, look, you've danced out there. You've done You've experienced sin, now you're hurt and you're hungry, and now you've got to decide, are you going to let pride get in the way of you returning to God? Isn't it better at the Father's house? Wasn't it better when you were at the Father's house? For those of you that have been believers, and now you've wandered away, and you've become distracted, and you don't serve, you don't do, you don't do anything, for, wasn't it better when your heart was fully committed to God? Wasn't it better? I bet the best that it ever was in your life is when you were closest in the Father's house. Here the Father is waiting. We're going to get to him in just a moment. And the prodigal says, I know what kind of father I have. And so he says to himself, I'm going to go home. But he has in his mind how it's going to go. And that's where I want to preach to you for just a little bit. For any of my prodigals that are in the house today, you negative self-talked your way into your car and all the way to church today, and in your mind, you've already said how it's going to go. 
I'm going to go down there. The preacher's going to preach to me, and my wife might elbow me or whatever. And, you know, I, and I know what they're about. They're going to make me feel bad, and then they're going to try to get my money. And, you know, every time they pass the offering plate, I, I see it coming, and that's what I know. Hey, sucker, we can't even pass the offering plate anymore, all right? Look, now one day it's coming back, but I'm just saying right now, like, no, no. We were never aiming at your wallet. We were aiming at your heart. You know what God wants? It's not about your money. It's about your heart. Don't try to, don't try to self-fulfilling prophecy me. Let's engage our reason today. At some point, if you're a skeptic, then you have to reason. What other God that has ever been showed that he could have power over death? You tell me that God. Tell me the God that ever said, kill me, put me in the ground, and on the third day, by my own power, I'll raise myself up out of the grave. What God? What God and what religion demonstrated that he had power like that? At some point, you can be a skeptic, but at some point you have to commit to a position and that position has to be defended. And that defense has to be, what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with him? I want you to engage your reason day. Should you come back to the Father's house? Should you come back and re-engage your Christianity? You're going to self-talk your way and you're going to be like, man, I've blown it. For those of you that have messed up, you're going to be like, I'll, I'll never be able to do X, Y, Z. And I don't think that if I were God that I would. You're not God. You're not God. He loves taking broken things and putting them back together. As a matter of fact, what's crazy is he doesn't even really say he puts broken things back together. He takes what your broken is, and he gives you something bright, shiny, and new. He takes what was dirty, and he cleans it up, and he makes it white as snow. He takes the thing that was ashes and dead, and he brings it back to life, and he gives beauty for ashes. You see what I'm saying? Like That's the kind of God that you have. I hope today that there might be a prodigal that would engage their reason, and they would return home. Verse 15, but while he was still a long way off. Oh, I love it. I love it. His father saw him. And he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Oh, before you ever got in your car this morning, he was looking for you. Did you know that? Well, before you even got invited, you even knew what Genesis Metro Church was. He was looking for you. As a matter of fact, before you were even created in your mother's womb, he was looking for you long before you were ever looking for him. He is desperately searching, trying to find you. And the, and the greatness of this story, it says that while he was a long ways off, right? It's like you can imagine that father went out every day on that porch and he could look over the hillside. And, and this one day, after many days, how many ever days it had been, he looked out there and, get, oh my gosh, he's, he's silhouettes. He knew, like, that's my son. That's my son. It's like a mom on a playground. You could have a hundred hellions out there just jumping off of things and dropping elbows, and they will hear that one voice, right? Ma! And it's their child, right? And they'll weed through, knocking all the other ones down and pick up their baby, right? They know it's theirs. And that's the beauty of being a parent is that you know that's your son, that's your kid, that's your daughter. And there is the father looking, looking, longing, waiting for the day that they might come back home. And that day is the payoff day. He says, that's my son. He sees him while he's in the distance. How do we recover from rock bottom? We got to decide to engage our reason. We got to return home. And now here it is. We see the response of the father. 
there's three things that I see happened. Number one, there was emotion. Did y'all see that? It says that when he saw him, he was filled with compassion. Filled with compassion. They hadn't even had a conversation yet. Not a, not a word has come out of the son's mouth. He hasn't even had the chance to rehearse his lines that he's been talking about all the way back. And so here, as the father sees him, his heart was, before you even walk through the door today, the father was sitting on the throne of heaven and his heart, as soon as you decided to make a move toward him, was filled with compassion, with love, with mercy, with grace. And he wants to pour it out on you today. Boy, there was some emotion. Some emotion. Man, there was an expression. It says that he ran to him. Did y'all notice that? He ran to him. Oh my gosh. He ran to him. Like, do y'all like those soldiers whenever they do the reveal, whenever they come home? Do y'all like those? I'm a sucker for those. I gotta be honest with you. It's like the, the dad is, is like in a disguise and they, he takes off the little the helmet or whatever. And like oh, the kid, like oh, the little kid is like, you know, he's always like a, you know, maybe a young kid to elementary age. And every time, what do they do? What do they do? They, they run, and like, it's like a bear hug wrap around, right? You run to things you love. Even Granny at Christmas, it's on her cane, right? She sees the grandkids coming. She's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll get over there, yeah. You run to things you love. You do. What if I told you that every time you make a move back to the Father, he's running towards you? He's not walking. He's running. And I'm just wondering, are you running back? Man, I hope today you would see the Father seeing you. He's running out there to you. And then he, he does the expression of affection. And it says that he hugs him and he kisses him, right? Woo. Now, if you were raised in a house where you had affection, if you were raised in a house where that was on display, where you were hugged, and where you were kissed, and it was normal, and this, this probably whew, flew right over your head. But I'm going to preach to the ones that it wasn't like that. All right? Can I help you? You want to know how to get out of rock bottom? Let me help you. You have a father in God that you never had. That's available for you today a father that you never had, a mother that you never had, a father that wraps his arms around you and kisses you and you say, oh, uh, uh, I don't, uh, Tim, that's not the way that I was raised. That's the problem. I'm not trying to get you to raise your kids the way that you were raised. I'm trying to get you to raise them the way that God would raise them. And our God is a God of affection. So what needs to change? You need to change. You want to love your kids? Show them affection. The Father in heaven will be the Father you never had, and He'll be more than you ever had. Man, He loves you this morning, and He just wants you to come home. We see such a plot twist, don't we? The son now is going to rehearse his lines. The son said, Father, I have sinned against you. He goes through it expecting the worst, not worthy of redemption. Redemption was unexpected because it was undeserved. But the father said to his servants, quick, 
bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. I mean, a fattened calf, that's steak, folks. That's biblical. Jesus loves a good, medium rare, slightly crusted, pan seared, little bit of butter. Merry Christmas. All right. Kill the fattened calf and let's have a feast and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. It says, so they began to celebrate. Oh my gosh. That's a celebration right there. He said the best robe. Have you ever saw, get, had someone give you like something that they wanted to pawn off as really nice, but it turns out that they got it on clearance and it isn't the right size, but it's a really nice brand. Now, do you want a really nice branded thing that doesn't fit you? Does anybody, like, how does that help me? Like, I can't wear it. Imagine, like, someone that gives you a gift and, like, they, they, they just don't care enough to get what you want or what you like or your preference or, like, they get you red and they know you like black. It's like, what is the, like, the, the caring person, they want to do the very best. You want to do the very best for the people that you love. Here is the father saying, put the best. I don't, I don't care. I don't care what he smells like. I don't care what he looks. I don't care what he did. Give him the best. Put the ring on his finger. Now, this other last part is simple, small, but this is what breaks my heart. And if you've traveled abroad, any third world country, you'll always see it in the shoes. You can fake the rest, but the shoes always wear out. Whenever I read this and it says put sandals on his feet, what do y'all believe is implied there? He was barefoot. He walked all the way home. Let me, let me educate Frisconians. There wasn't a sidewalk. There wasn't a cushion track. This was rocks. It's kind of like the way it was when I was growing up. No roads, just rocks and glass. <laughs> Kids don't know how they have it these days. Man, he had walked all, can you imagine what these feet look like? Busted up, bleeding, bruised. His dad, from head to toe, it's like put some shoes on his feet. Man, did you know that your father has taken inventory of every little piece, of every little thing that's broken in your life? And he has a robe and a ring, and a pair of shoes, and he wants to celebrate your return. We tell ourselves, if I confess, if I share my sin with anyone, they'll judge me, and they'll cast me out, and we have all these things that we lie to ourselves to keep us from getting right with God, and you know what I found? Those aren't true. I don't care what you've done in your past. The grace of God covers all sin. Have I had people hurt me? Yeah. Lie about me? Yeah. Lie about my family? Yeah. Do I hold it against them? No. They're sinners, just like me. When they come back home, arms open wide. I celebrate. Here the son, can you imagine how he felt? Just tears. He never thought he'd be welcome back home. And they celebrated. All but one. There was only one that didn't celebrate. 
that older brother slash Pharisees that we were talking about, you know what his mindset was? He heard the party going on, and he, you know, in my mind, this is a little bit of biblical license, but like, he's like, he hears the party, he's like, oh, it's not my birthday, but like, what, it, what are they throwing in my honor? You know, what did I do today that was so awesome that they're partying for me? And like the servants were like, no, 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 you didn't hear? You didn't hear? Your brother, he was lost, and now he's found, like he came back, he was dead, now he's alive, and like the dad, they're killing the fatted calf, they're grilling the steaks right now, you can smell it in the air, they're pouring the best wine. I mean, we are gonna party like it's 1999. And so, the brother, you would think, right? Excitement. You know what he said? Dad never gave me a steak. My last point, and I hope this smacks somebody right in the face, because you need it. In the name of Jesus. Don't make it about you. Don't make it about you. How are you making this about you? Here is his older brother. And somehow he's making it about him. Like what he didn't get or like what he doesn't deserve. And he's like, dad, I, like I want, a, I, I want a calf. I want, I want a gold. I want a steak. And like you give him a steak and like I haven't betrayed you. And he betrayed you. He walked out on you. And I've been here doing all that. And the father said, you already have the inheritance. What more do you want? All that I have belongs to you. But should we not have celebrated your brother that was dead and now he's alive again? Should we not have celebrated that which was lost being found? I can tell you this. In this culture at Genesis Metro Church, every time a marriage is on the brink of death and comes back to life, I don't care what they went through. I'm going to celebrate when it gets brought back to life. And the church said, amen. Yeah, hey, when a kid walks in here on a Wednesday night and he accepts Christ and he drags his family to church on a Sunday and we see a generational change occur, we're going to celebrate the lost being found. That's what we're going to celebrate. We're not celebrating Bible trivia. We're not going to celebrate like, oh, guess what? You learned the Greek root word of something this week. No. You know what God celebrates? Lost being found, dead coming to life. And that's what we're about at Genesis Metro Church. And that's how you experienced life change. We welcome the prodigals. I don't care where you've been. This church loves you. And we got a place for you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that every Christian in this room would quit making it about them. And God, they would ask themselves a tough question. Are they celebrating what you're celebrating? God, are they celebrating that there's life change happening all around them every Sunday, every Wednesday, every discipleship class? There's life change happening when people go home and they're finally reading the Bible. There's life change that is happening up in the zone room where people are accepting Christ. There's life change happening on Wednesday nights where students are receiving Christ. There's life change happening all around us. And yet, God, sometimes I feel like there's people that aren't getting it because they're so self-absorbed. They're not able to see what you're doing around them. And then they don't have celebration. And then they don't have joy. And then they don't have happiness. And then they lack passion in all these areas. And it's amazing how it's all connected. That if I would come home to the Father's house, that it makes purpose in my profession. You want to know how to get right with your spouse? You want to know how that passion can return, can be resurrected? Get right with God. 
When you both get right with God, what happens is there's a focal point. Not that you're both running towards each other, other, you're both running towards Jesus. And as you run towards Jesus, you start coming back together in the relationship. You wanna know how to beat addiction? Let God change you from the inside out instead of trying to change yourself from the outside in. Man, it's all wrapped up in you coming home. And you're gonna come in here today and you're gonna say, I'm unworthy. Just make me a slave. And God's gonna say to you, oh no, I got better than that for you. I got a plan for you. Bring the best robe, bring the ring, put some sandals on the feet, kill the fatty. We're gonna celebrate today. Would you guys stand and celebrate with us as life change happens in this very room?